Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. God, this morning we remember your love for us and your sacrifice. That we'll never forget the price that you paid for us. And so, God, this morning, today, we've come with expecting hearts. Lord, we've come believing that your Holy Spirit is going to do something afresh and anew in our lives. And so, God, I pray for those that have come in this morning that are questioning your faithfulness and questioning your goodness, that in the presence of the Holy Spirit this morning, that they would see that you've not forgotten them, that you've not forsaken them, but that your love is here in a very tangible way. God, I pray, as Maddie prayed earlier, for those that that are looking at opportunities and considering opportunities and have needs in their lives, Lord, I pray that today that you would meet each one of those needs, that you would speak clearly to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, worship team. Well, this morning we are in for a treat. Pastor Darren Poley is here with us and his wife, Jane. And I'll tell you, over the last few years, a friendship has just blossomed and developed with us. And we love you guys, appreciate you so much. And over the last year, they've been in a coaching role in my life and for our church. They have invested immensely in our staff and our board. Yesterday, we spent the day together with the staff in the morning and the board at night. And he just imparted wisdom into our lives. He and Jane both just spoke truth and wisdom into us and just inspired us as a church to go to a new level, and so I'm excited about the future. Pastor Darren has been a prophetic voice to our church. I'll never forget, uh, and he preached in 2019, and he said, God is going to take us on a generosity journey, and 2020 was the craziest year for our church financially, even in the midst of a pandemic, and so I just believe that God gave him that word for our church, and God blessed it, and I know this morning that as he comes, God's given him another prophetic word, and he's going to be sharing straight as God has downloaded into his spirit, he's going to be sharing it with us this morning, so let's give a warm welcome to Pastor Darren as he comes to preach this morning. Oh man, love you bro. Morning Cross Point, can you hear me okay? Man, how many love your church? Come on, somebody, right? I love that. Man, I get to be in a few different churches. I, Jane and I are part of an incredible church in the North Twin Cities in Minnesota. We have three campuses. We love our church. Uh, one of the things I don't ever want to do is take a great church for granted. Come on, somebody, right? I mean, it's just incredible what God is doing in this church. Uh, I was sitting there worshiping, looking, and I had, I had screen envy. I'll call it screen envy. I'm like, I love the new look of your platform and all that kind of stuff. And there could be somebody that says, oh, we don't need that. Yes, you do. You need that. Uh, because people, it helps people engage and see, just engage in worship. And see, I just love what God's doing across the church and what, what God's just doing at Crosspoint. We love your, your pastors, the team, and just, I don't know if you realize this, but the phrase is true, but the best is yet to come for this church. Come on, right? I mean, it is. I pray that faith would rise. I know we're in a series on worship. This is week three of that series, and uh, I watched both week one and week two, and I thought the message was great. I think the series is off to an incredible start. I love that it's, it, it just is going deeper in the topic of worship, and so I'm going to stick to that and kind of give an aspect of, of, of just lifestyle worship and what it looks like um, and just some of the ways that God's going to challenge us, but I'm just, I tell you, I am just 
thankful. So one more time, can we just say thanks to God for what he's doing in our church? Come on, ultimately it's God, right? It is, it's God. So let's jump in. Uh, love God's word. If you love Jesus, say yes. If you love God's word, say yes. Amen. I love it, I love it. I don't know about you, but I thoroughly like to be in places where I am reminded of how big and how great God is. Is there anybody in the room that's ever been to the top of Pike's Peak? Can I see your hands if you've been there? I mean, that's awesome, about half. The rest of you need to go at some point. And uh, I love to ski, and I've been to the, I, I love to ski. I've been to the Colorado Rockies probably 25 different times over the years, and just love, I love, when I, when I get there, I go right, I, I just, I'll take the lift to mid-mountain, then I'll get on the next lift that will take me to the top, because I want to be at the summit. And I, I just have this thing where I like to look out over all of creation that I can see. If you've never done this, I'm thinking of Breckenridge and Winter Park and Mary Jane and Vail and, and these different resorts and, and Utah and stuff. And you can just see mountains and mountains and mountains. And I just, I, I, I do that and I just look at it and say, wow, God is, <clears throat> God is so so incredible, and it's just big. It's amazing. Uh, has anybody ever been to Hawaii? Can I see your hands? You've been to Hawaii? Uh, God is in Hawaii. Let me just tell you that. And uh, it's, it's super cool, again, looking over the oceans. There's, <clears throat> you don't have to go that far, but uh, to, to even experience it. There's, a, you know, my, my mom's family all grew up in northeastern Iowa uh, in a little town called Waukon, Iowa. And so my whole life, I've been going to Waukon, Iowa. And so uh, it's, if you don't know where it is, it's close to Decorah, which is a bigger community. And actually, uh, her family and the farm was in Dorchester, Iowa, which is even a smaller town outside. It's a suburb of Waukon. I'm just kidding. But, uh, and, um, and so, but we, I've been going there my whole life and uh, camping and stuff like that. There is a drive, a highway, a state highway between Spring Grove, Minnesota, in Dorchester, Iowa, that is one of the prettiest views in the United States. And because it's river bluff country, if you know that area, and you're on this ridge, this drive, there's, there's Spring Grove and Eitzen and Caledonia, Minnesota, then you drop down into Dorchester, you come into Iowa and walk on. If you went farther down the river, you'd go to Lansing in that area. If you've not spent any time up there, it's one of the most beautiful Places. Sometimes we're driving down there, and we'll, we'll get there, because it's right before you get to walk on to our family and, and aunts and uncles. Some of them still live there. And I'll, I'll, I'll just stop and pull over the side of the road, because you can see for, I don't know if it's hundreds of miles, but it's tens and tens and tens of miles, looking at the beauty of like, God, look what you created. It's just incredible. It's so amazing. It's so, so beautiful. How many have ever been in the moment where you've seen a baby born? How many agree that's pretty miraculous, right? Let me show you a, a picture really quick of this. Um, so that is, right there, that's a better one. So that is our first granddaughter. And when, when <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave it up there. She already knew how to pray at three months. Look at that. She's got her, hey, no, 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 put the picture back. What are we doing here? Okay, this, that's like the best picture of the whole thing. So, uh, but when you see a newborn baby come to life, how many would agree that's a miracle, right? And there's something about it when you look at all that God's doing. It's just, it's just incredible. If you leave it up, I'll do way better. But anyways, here we go. Psalm 65, and I, I share those thoughts with you about just 
Sometimes I have those moments with, wow, God, you are so big. I stand in awe of who you are. Psalms 65 says this, you formed the mountains by your power and armed yourself by your mighty strength. So all of that is formed by God's power. The characteristic of the, the description of that in biblical term is God's omnipotence, right? Omnipotence, which means God is all-powerful. The three characteristics of God, which always, if you think about them, are inspiring. Omnipotence, omnipresence, and omniscience. So this is by God's omnipotence. It says, those, verse 8, those who live at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your wonders. So we should stand in awe at the wonders of how great God is. Luke chapter 5 says this, Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Has anybody ever experienced a miracle in your life or a family member's life? Can I see your hands if you've experienced that? By the way, if you know Jesus, you've experienced a miracle, right? Because God's changed our eternity. And so everybody's praising God in this moment. It's incredible. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. I love those moments, but I'm going to ask you this question. What's the difference between standing in awe of God and standing in worship of God? They're both great, and we're in, a, we're in a series, Crosspoint, entitled Worship, talking about worship, talking about what it means to go deeper and understand worship. So I just ask this question, what's the difference, because they're both good, between standing in awe of God and standing in worship of God? And if you're taking notes on your phone or in your journal or something, you're going to write this, you're going to want to write this down, because here's what I believe, awe is recognition of what God has done. Worship is recognition of who God is. Awe is recognition of what God has done. Worship, even as I, I listened to the, watched the first two sermons that Pastor Jonathan preached, I was taking notes and, just, and this thought came to me. But the difference is, and they're both great, worship is recognition of who God is. It's not about all the different things he does. It's just about how amazing and loving and miraculous God is. See, I can worship God for his omnipotence even when I'm not sitting at the top of Breckenridge or at Pikes Peak or on the highway in northeastern Iowa looking over the landscape because, because I know who God is. And it's so good it's so good to be in awe of what God has done. There's no doubt. So that is, that is past tense. We read those two verses because there's these moments that literally says the people there were in awe of what was happening. What did it take to be in awe? It took being able to experience and see miraculous things. I love it when we get to do that. Deeper worship is all about God. I'm going to worship you because of who you are. I'm spending time with you in the morning. I'm reading my devotions. I'm listening to worship. I got it in my AirPods or whatever I'm listening to in the car, wherever it is, because of who you are. I mean, we get to spend time with the King of Kings, right? And so that's the, that's the whole thought. That's so important that we, we grab a hold of that. John chapter 4, verse 23 says this, But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Let me just pause. Who wants to be 
viewed by God as a true worshiper, right? Come on, can I see your hands? Because if your hand's not up right now, I don't know what you want to be viewed by, right? I mean, the alternative isn't good, right? Do I want to be viewed by God as a true worshiper? And all I know is the alternative probably, I'll say it nicely, would be an untrue worshiper, right? Or a false worshiper. And I just, I, I, that verse changed my life probably 20 years ago. And it kind of sent me on a mission. And, I, and then the last, because I, I thought, God, I want to be a true worshiper. And it talks about worshiping God in spirit and in truth if we keep reading these passages. But I, this last thought here, I just want you to grab, because we're going to talk about the heart of God in just a few moments. The Father is looking for those who worship him that way. I don't know about you, but it feels so amazing to think that we could be the type of worshipers that God's looking for. That God's up in heaven and he's literally like, oh, oh I, hope, I hope Jonathan spends time with me today. I hope Pastor Madison, I hope Pastor Gruber spends time with me today. I love how he tr- pushes in. I love how they go after it. I hope this person, I, 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 the idea that God wants to spend time with me when I'm worshiping just is incredible thought. I don't know how to understand it all, but it's amazing, isn't it? I want to be that kind of worshiper that just says, wow, God, um, I want to be the one that uh, you're still looking for people like me to worship that way. Another question I have for you, is worship a moment or is worship a lifestyle? Is worship a moment or is worship a lifestyle? Last week's message, Pastor Jonathan talked about just sacrifice and, uh, and that worship should cost us, cost us something. It should be deeper. It should be bigger. And I thought there was so much great truth in that message last weekend. And so I just ask us, is, is worship a moment or is it a lifestyle? And if you're watching online, you can be a part of this. If you're watching the podcast later in the week, you can be part of this as well. But I'll just ask you to respond to this question. So I, I don't believe you're going to get it wrong. So I wouldn't ask you to answer a question and set you up in any way, all right? So everybody smile at me. There you go. Come on, 830 service. We can be loud here, all right? Here we go. So is, is worship a lifestyle, a moment, or is it a lifestyle? Say your answer on three. One, two, three. You got it right. Because it's both. It's both. This message isn't about that the moments we just had in church and the moment of praise and corporate worship we'll have at the end of service isn't vital, isn't great, isn't powerful, isn't, it doesn't deserve our full engagement. It does. It's all about that. So when the Bible says, forsake not the regathering of each other, of each other in the presence of God, and it talks about corporate worship and all those kind of things, and again, if you're watching online, you're always invited back, safe worship environment here at Crosspoint. God, God wants us in those moments worshiping God. He does. And sometimes it can be just incredible, and it is a moment. But it's also in this series we're learning, it's a lifestyle. So what I want to take some time and talk about is the lifestyle part of it. But I just want to affirm yes to both. Can I just share even a challenge with you? When a worship team is on a platform like today or in our church at Emmanuel Christian Center or other churches that are great like Cross Point is a great church, when our worship team is leading us in praise and worship, can I just tell you an application point to this series is be fully engaged. Be fully engaged. And some might say, well, you know, the whole raise your hand things, that's just not kind of my thing. Well, make it your thing, okay? (laughs) Take that step forward. Well, why? Is that tradition? No, it's scripture, right? 
So anything that's scripture, I think we should move forward in it, right? I understand there's some growth. You can go ahead and clap. That's good. I like that. Yeah, but you, I understand there's growth steps there, right? But when it's not just tradition and that's our style and, oh, that's a cross point thing. No, it's a God thing. It's a Bible thing. And so I, I am a man. I'm a 55-year-old man, so I can say this straight to men. Some men kind of act like their favorite song in worship is I Shall Not Be Moved. Okay? Uh, guys, we need to change and lead. Right? Not just in the boundary waters, right? All right, so that was free. That was, that was bonus material. All right, here we go. I want you to say this aloud. I worship God when I live like a steward, not like an owner. I'm going to do it one more time. I worship God when I live like a steward, not like an owner. I would have you repeat this next phrase, but you did that one so well, so you don't need to. I, I just, I believe this because I want to talk about our stewardship as a life of worship and how it fits in so closely in such an incredible part. Because sometimes what I, I'll say this phrase, I am not an owner. I'll say, even if I think I'm an owner, I'm still not an owner, right? Even if I think I'm in control, I'm still not in control. God is in control, Right? And so there's these, there's these moments where it's just, it's so, so important. Have, does, does Crosspoint do, we do cr child dedication here, I'm guessing, right? So how many have been in a child dedication moment at Crosspoint? Put your hand up really high. That's, that's a lot of us. Usually in those moments, parents will have a, a, the parents will say back to the pastor, there'll be some moment where I dedicate this child to God, Right? What we are saying is we are not the owner of this child. We are the steward of this child. I mean, this child dedication is like one of the highest levels of a stewardship moment I know. Because I realize as a parent, Jane and I have three daughters and two sons-in-laws and a couple little grandkids now, and how special everyone is to us. And when I, if I can live like they're, that we're stewards of them and not the controllers of their life, I'm going to be way more in line with who God says I should be. And so I just want to, I want to track with this. So, Matt, how many love God's word? Can I see your hands one more time? Watch it online. You love God's word. Thanks. Um, I'm going to read a lot of scripture. And I'll probably read it, read it pretty quick because it's more than I, I normally read. Uh, but it's this incredible passage. It is a parable. It is a story. I like to, I love God's word. I love to try to set it up so we all grab hold of it um, in the most powerful way we can. But Matthew chapter 25, it's a parable, which is a, 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 a biblical powerful story with a biblical meaning that has application for our lives. Jesus is speaking in this parable, in this story. I just want to be crystal clear, which is normally the case for a parable, but it's not some yo-yo just talking. It's Jesus, the Son of God, that's walking through this. And this, this parable, this story, is all about stewardship. And it's about how we worship God as a priority in our life and how we see, track with me, I really say the word see, how we see God as we worship him and we live a lifestyle of worship. And so I just, I just encourage you to grab onto it. So here we go. I'm going to read it. Verse, verse 14 is where we'll pick up. It'll be up on the screen if you want to follow along there. You'll be able to see it online if you're watching as well. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Everybody say money. 
if we ever get hung up on talking on money in church, just realize Jesus was never hung up about it. He just always did it in a healthy way. Now, let's, and I can't pause this often. I'm going to keep going. Here we go. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Dividing it in proportion to their abilities, he left on the trip. I'm going to pause again. This may be a passage of scripture you've heard many, many times. My challenge to you is listen and read it with fresh eyes. And just say, Holy Spirit, I'm open to whatever you want to speak to me about in this passage. Because he continues to speak to me about it so, so strongly. And if it's a brand new thought, a brand new passage for you, or something you've not really read a lot before, just, just lean in and try to grab everything that God has for you. Because it's, it's so powerful. So, so the master divided up these five bags, two bags, one bag of silver, divided it in proportion to their abilities. God loves everybody at Cross Point the same, unconditionally. God sees our gifts and talents and abilities and entrusts things to us based on those. It's not unfair. His love is 100% fair. It's always there. It's rock solid. It's unconditional, all of that. But we all have different gifts and abilities. And so some even read this and they're like, well, well, why did one get this and one get this? God must love everybody the same. He does love everybody the same. It's not about his love. So the servant who received, verse 16, the five bags of silver, uh, began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned, look at this, from the trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. I want to pause there and say, understand, the, the, Jesus is telling the story here. And he says, when the master came back to meet with his servants on the progress that they had achieved, he came back with this phrase, what have you done with my, everybody say my, my money. Not with your money, with my money, right? So again, this whole idea of stewardship, I love it. I love to teach on it. It's literally like, I don't have car keys. I wish I did on me right now. But it's literally like, you don't have to throw them at me either. Uh, it's literally like, if I, if I give you the keys to my car because you need it to go do something, how many of you know, I, don't, I didn't just give you the whole car, right? How many of you know, if you act like that, you are never getting my keys again, right? That's just, that's understanding stewardship. Just because God gives us something, it doesn't mean we become the controller. It means that we are the steward, which is a such, still such a powerful position and such an entrusted position that God gives us and so much value he places in us, but we just, we just got to understand it. Then the master says, uh, sorry for those running production. I know I stop a lot in this passage. Uh, then, then the master says, Full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, do we want to hear that one day, right? You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. I love this. And the servant um, who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I have earned two more. 
The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So a few more minutes, a few minutes ago, I'm going to pause here again. I share with you that God loves every one of us unconditionally, equally, with this incredible level of love. But he divides up to us uh, opportunities and resources based on our current gifts and abilities and season of life and all those things, and it has nothing to do with his love. And for anybody that says, well, maybe that's an unfair thing, do you notice that the servant that had five and doubled it and the servant that had two and doubled it received the exact same affirmation from God? The exact same affirmation. Ending with, let's party together, right? I don't know about you, but God would be a super cool guy to party with, right? Don't even know what it would look like, but it would just be really cool, all right? But I just, just again, just to, it's just not words I'm throwing out. These thoughts in Scripture are just so powerful that even though we have different things and different size houses and different amounts in bank accounts and different opportunities that we're stewarding right now and, and different numbers of children and different numbers of resources and all those kind of things, it's really not about that. God doesn't see us that way. God, God rewards us based on our faithfulness. And both individuals receive the exact same level of reward, a doubling of what had happened and what they had stewarded, and then received this affirmation that is just so good. Well done, good and faithful servant. Who doesn't want to hear that from the, the authority in our lives that we trust the most? We all want to receive that and hear that. And then he says, which is kind of this invitation to continued relationship, let's celebrate more together. Let's, and I, I just, I love that so much. So then I, I pause there because the, 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 the story that Jesus is telling takes a really tough turn. And again, many of you have read it before, but I just want to be crystal clear. It's a painful turn that's happening right now that we're about to read. It's, a, it's so sad. It's where none of us want to be. I understand that. But the reason Jesus shared it is because there's going to be people in our world that battle with this and have to overcome this. And so that's the, so look at it. Just Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and got the crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money at the bank? At least I would have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. Everybody say amen. That's just so, so powerful. Um, those 16 verses could be a three-week series all by themselves, right? I mean, there's just so much in there. Um, I want to share with you, I've shared this, I believe, with your staff a, a couple months ago. It's something that God kind of gave me. It's not, it's not super new and everything else, but just something that I, I share with people about stewardship and about how we live our lives. And so this will pop up on the screen, and I'm going to describe each one of them for you. And so you can, again, you can take notes on this, but, uh, and then I'm going to give you an application step for it. So the, I, just, I call this practical and powerful. So the first one is this, healthy living. There's three levels of living, I believe, as a Christ follower. 
So if you're here and you're, or you're watching and you're not sure about Christianity and you're like, I don't know, I'm exploring it, I'm kind of kicking the tires, I'm checking it out, I'm interested, but I'm not all in, uh, we're so glad you're with us. We're so glad you're watching. We're so glad you're visiting wherever it is. You came with family, friends, whatever it is. We're so glad. Matter of fact, as you learn about God and you want to give your life to him, you'll have an opportunity to do that in a few more minutes as we close service. For those of us that we're all in, this is what we do. We're Christ followers. We're committed, all of that. I want to share with you these three levels of living. And you can choose where you want to land. But I, I just, I, I figure, and I'm going to start with what I call healthy living. There's, there's levels before this, but they're not positive levels. So I'm going to start at the base level. Everybody say base. What God's word would say as a worshiper, if I am all in living as a steward, then I'm going to start at this level, this level of healthy living. Healthy living, I'm going to give you three numbers, is 10, 10, 80. 10, 10, 80. Everybody say 10, 10, 80. 10, 10, 80. This won't surprise you. Some of you have heard this before. So 10, 10, 80, and sometimes in church, like, oh, this is way too practical. I really like practical because I want to know what am I supposed to do and what has God asked from me. So 10, 10, 80 is healthy living. 10, 10, 80 is this, 10% to God, 10% to my future, 10, 80% to my responsibilities. 10% to God. Everybody say the word tithe. Tithe, we know that word. Pastor Jonathan's taught on that. You probably learn about it in growth track and other places. That is, that is what we, that is, actually the Bible says that belongs to God. It's not even ours. So our tithe is never part of our giving. That's why we would call it obedient giving. Generosity, our kingdom builders, is where we start to give from what's, in, what's ours to give, what's been entrusted to us. But the first 10%, the Bible says, actually, we give back to God because it's his. So 10, 10, 80. So 10% to God, 10% to your future. Just to be really clear, and this won't be a, this isn't Financial Peace University this morning, so I won't go much longer on this, but just 10% to our future, that's your savings, your reserve fund, your retirement. That's what that is. And as I say these numbers, there's pe- I know there's people watching, or there's people sitting in the church right now, you're like, oh, that's not near enough, and I do way more. God bless you. I'm proud of you. I am. I mean that in a good way. I do more than that for savings and retirement as well. But I'm also at a different season when we were when we were young parents. And it was a little different. And we had a little bunch of little kids. Salary was much lower. All those kind of things. I'm sharing. No matter what level or season of life you're in, healthy living is 10, 10, 80. 80 percent is your responsibilities. That is mortgage, car, school debt, whatever it is, future college fund, whatever it is, paying off the land, all your responsibilities, insurance, utility bills, and the largest bill of all, your cell phone bill, right? Sometimes that's true. It's so sad. It's like, we got 17 device payments. Okay, great. All right, so you need to go to financial peace. All right, so, but that's, that's your responsibilities, 10, 10, 80, and you'll, you, I know you get this. You're a sharp church. Love it. The second level is what I call generous living. Generous living. Again, if you're like, I want something more complicated, cool. Write up something more complicated. I'm just giving you the the easy one here and the one that I don't want complicated. I need simple, and then I can execute and follow it and listen to the Holy Spirit, I hope, in our lives. So generous living is 10, 10, 5, 75. 10, 10, 5, 75. That's generous living. And you might say, it should be more than that. Again, I give you full permission to go bigger, stronger in, in all these, in, in those first couple areas. 10, 10, 5, 75. 10% to God, 
10% to my future, 5% to generosity, 75% to my responsibilities. Everybody say 10, 10, 5, 75. I love, I see so many taking notes on your phone, on your journals. I love that you're digesting this and just, because you're, you're going to, it's going to be so helpful on, as, as we kind of walk out of this part of the message. So we have healthy living, we have generous living, and um, I just, I, I wish I could tell you the story. When, when Jane and I stepped into generous giving a number of years ago, uh, and I can look back now a number of years and just look at the, the hand of God and the provision of God on our life, it truly is miraculous. It's just incredible. But it's this parable. I mean, it's, this, it's understanding that Jesus was talking that we are stewards. So it's just, it's just so, so incredible. So 10, 10, 5, 75. The last one is what I call generous living. I'm sorry, legacy. So we have healthy, we have generous, and we have legacy living. Who in the place today is over the age of 30? Stand to your feet. All right, keep standing. Who in the place in the auditorium is under the age of 30? Stand up again as well with everybody else. That should be everybody, by the way. All right. Everybody standing should care about legacy. Right? You can be seated. Everybody. So I just shared that. Say, sometimes I talk about legacy, and you're looking for only the gray hair in the room. No. It's for all of us. So legacy living. Let me give you the percentages. Legacy living is 10, 10, 10. 70. 10, 10, 10, 70. If you got it, say got it. 10, 10, 10, 70. 10% to God, 10% to my future, 10% to generosity, 70% to my responsibilities. That's legacy. You live like that as a steward unto God, not unto yourself. This isn't like you're checking a box and you're looking for the the, the patch you get to wear and, and tell everybody. This, the, only, the only approval you're looking for is the well done from God. But you live your life with your legacy in mind, 10, 10, 10, 70. It's incredible what could happen. I know people, I have friends that, that are, have taken it way beyond that. I know people that live, give away 90% live on 10%. I know people that live on 50% and give away and save the other 50. I know everything in between, and I'm so thankful. There's stories, I'm sure, at Crosspoint, and here's what I believe. There's going to be more stories to come at Crosspoint because, as Pastor Jonathan said, the church is on a generosity journey. It's not only on a generosity journey. As a result of the generosity journey, people are being reached all over the world through Kingdom Builders. It's just amazing what God's doing. And so you, you look at that, and, and I just, I encourage you, again, so if there's anybody in the room like, I want to do more, man, go for it. I want, we, we want you to, God wants you to, it's so, so important. So I'm going to give a challenge to you. All right, here's my challenge. All of us at church today, everybody that's watching, take one of these next steps. What's your next step? Is it, is it just, is it, I, hey, you're like, Pastor Darren, we got to start healthy living. We just got to start with 10, 10, 80. And I would just say, amen, go for it. I'm your, I am your cheerleader. What an incredible step. You're already doing more in stewardship at that step than so many people. So go for it. Don't be ashamed. Don't be like, well, that's not the best step. It's a great step if it's your next step. That, that's tweetable right there, right? It's a great step if it's your next step. 
I just want to, I just would challenge you, and I, I'll, I, I'm a guest speaker, so I won't get in your face too much with it, and I'll move on here. But I'm going to just, I feel like this is from God. Pray and ask God, what is your next step? It's not for me to tell you that would be an imposition, that would be inappropriate for me to, to, to say that unless I felt direct words for somebody, and I don't. I just would encourage you to say, God, what is our next step? Are we, are we healthy and we're supposed to go to generosity? Are we generosity and we're supposed to go to legacy? And I promise you, if you are a married couple in the room and you talk as a husband and a wife and then you pray about it, I believe God will speak to you. I believe. And you're like, well, I w- man, those are big steps at our season of life or at our mount or whatever it is, even if you take two steps to get to that next level. That's okay. But just what is God asking you to do? I would just encourage you so much to just say, man, this is... This is what we feel God is, is asking us to do. So take one of those steps. So I want to reread a passage of Scripture we already read, and this will kind of take us into our final few moments. Um, and verse 24, um, I don't know if you guys are able to put this up on the screen. I'll read it kind of slow, verse 24 through 28. Um, and uh, it's just, this is just incredible, because I want you to catch. Remember I said we're going to talk a little bit about the heart of God continually in this idea of a lifestyle of worship as we are stewards. So beginning in verse 24, it says, Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. Then the master replies, You wicked and lazy servant. I knew you harvested crops. If you knew I harvested crops, I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money at the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Here's what I'd say to you. Um, What made the master so angry? What made him so angry? I felt like when I was reading this several months ago, God just kind of spoke to me and says, and just said, Darren, do you see what's in there? And I was, I, I was that's why I said, read, try to read it with fresh eyes. And I'll ask you the question. You don't need to shout out. You don't need to try to answer it, but just process it. Look at that turn. What made the master so angry to take it from him, to give it, from, to, give it to the other people, to just be this harsh response? What was it that took him so far down? And I, and I listened, and what I would point you to is what we just reread. The third servant said to the master, Hey, master, I knew you were a harsh man. I know you to be a scary person. I know you to be the guy that harvested where you didn't plant, and you get things that oftentimes aren't coming to you, and basically I'm in fear of you. And this is what I believe with all my heart. I believe the master's like, No, 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 that is not my heart for you. That is not my heart for you. I love you. You don't need to be scared of me. You don't need to be the person that 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 steps back or pulls back or thinks I'm harsh or anything like that. I love you, I love you, I love you. Track with me. So he hears from the servant. About, about how scary he is, how tough he is, what a wheeler dealer he is, and how he is to be feared. And the master's like, no, that's not who I am. Can I just say, cross point, 
God doesn't want us to look at him that way. God doesn't want us to see him that way. He wants, to see, he wants us to see him as this loving, gracious, generous God that, is, that, is, that he wants to do incredible things in our lives. That's how he wants to see us. And I, I never read it that way, and I just thought that God was leading me towards this. And I'm just like, wow, God, I, I want to see you in the right way. Because he's like, no, 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 that's not my heart for people. So I wrote this down in my notes. We can't fully worship God until we understand his heart for us. We can't fully worship God. This kind of lead comes out of last weekend's message as well. Until we understand God's heart for us. It just kind of takes us to that lifestyle worship, right? Because even stewardship, that I'm not an owner, I am a steward, is about God. I understand it. When I think of God's heart for me, it's way easier for me to live as a steward. Because I know he is my loving father, right? That cares for me. And worship keeps getting deeper and deeper. So we can't fully worship God until we understand his heart for us. I have this uh, Kingdom Builders booklet uh, that I asked Pastor Jonathan for. I love what the church, I love what Crosspoint's doing with Kingdom Builders. I love your heart for the world. You don't just have a heart for yourselves, you have a heart for the world. You have a heart for, you know, the, uh, the Heartland meals thing that was going on and, and just, the, just how incredible is that, right? And I know we're not prideful in ourselves. We're thankful for what God is doing in our church. I get that. But I, when I look through these things, we have one of these at our church as well, similar to this. Um, sometimes I use it as a, um, as a prayer guide in my devotion time. And I just will grab it and I'll do my devotions and I'll grab our Kingdom Builders booklet and I'll open it up and I'll just pray over six or seven partners in there. Just like kind of the church did when you guys prayed for Finland this morning. Um, two years ago, um, I was in uh, Chiang Rai, Thailand, so northern Thailand. And uh, we were there uh, with some other people and uh, preached in a Hmong, Hmong um, Thai church. And uh, then we were helping with some different projects and stuff like that. With a, with a translation of the Bible, a study Bible, into the Hmong language. There was no translation for all these millions and millions and millions of people. So our Kingdom Builders was helping to do this. And, uh, and, we, and, and then before we left, we went to this, we were in Chiang Rai, Thailand. We went to and visited this children's home uh, where there was children in elementary and junior high that were living there. And we went to the boys' side. There was 155 boys living in this, this boys' home. We were talking with the director. He was showing us around. And the director um, came up to this moment, and, uh, and we got there, and we saw all these boys hauling five-bucket pails of water. And I asked him, 155 boys living in this home. And Ching Rai is a nice city in Thailand. And I said to him, why, why are they hauling water? Where's the, where's the water coming from? And he pointed over to the side and he said, our, our water filtration system for the whole, the whole campus is broken. It doesn't work. So for all toilets, all kitchen, all drinking water, everything, so now we're just hauling, we're just hauling water from four blocks away for 155 kids. And I was sitting there thinking, and this is what the director said to me. I asked him, hey, what, what would it cost to fix it? And he said, $1,586. And he said, we'll hopefully have that money in nine months. 
And I felt the Spirit of God just say, Darren, pay for it right now. Tell him you will pay for it right now. And I thought, God has entrusted to me and to our church the opportunity to steward, to meet the needs of 155 boys that have to haul water from four blocks away for the amount of money that a nice iPhone 12 plus cost. Right? I'm not against iPhones. I'm just telling you. That's real life. And I just said to him, I said, our church will pay for that. You will have the money within seven days. The director just starts crying. And he looks to the missionary, and he, the missionary, he looks at the missionary like, is this guy real? And I'm just like, the missionary's like, you will have the money in seven days. And then he asked, the missionary said to him, I will front that money till Pastor Darren gets home, and we'll have that money to you in 48 hours. And he just started crying and hugging and all of that kind of stuff. When you live as a steward in a lifestyle of worship, giving becomes joyful. Just joyful of the difference that you get to make in people's lives. And it's so special. Whether it's the youth in Speed of Light, whether it's the kids in, in BGMC, whether it's different Kingdom Builder projects, it, when, when we live a lifestyle of worship and we live as a steward, giving becomes incredibly joyful. So here's my final thought, and then we'll pray. An authentic life of worship and generosity are inseparable. They're inseparable. It's up on the screen. An authentic life of worship and generosity are inseparable. If you got it, say got it. I won't tell you what that number means for you. I will just tell you that's a truth on the screen right now. A, just an authentic life of worship, you can't separate it from generosity. And when you attach it to generosity, it's incredible how amazing and joy-filled it can be. Amen, church. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for who you are, for how great you are, for how amazing you are. God, we just receive your goodness and your grace and your strength. We thank you, God, for everybody at church. We thank you, God, for speaking to our hearts. And we thank you, God, because you are amazing. Church, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I talked about the heart of God. And here's just what I want to do. I, I, maybe there's nobody. Maybe there's a few of you. I'm not going to take long. I just want to give you the opportunity because I, I believe maybe somebody came to church today and you need Jesus. Maybe you're distant from God. Maybe you're, you've got, you're living in sin. You know it. God knows it. And you don't want to do it anymore. And you want God's forgiveness. You want God's grace. And you, you know, you've heard today that his heart for you is that he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. So as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I won't, I won't belabor this point. But what a great opportunity. If you're here today or if you're watching online, you just say, you know what? Pastor Darren, include me in the final prayer. I need God's forgiveness. Maybe I've never committed my life to him, and I want to do that today. Maybe I've committed my life, and I, I did, but I know there's distance, and I feel it, and I need God's forgiveness, and I want to commit to going all in with Jesus Christ, and I want to serve him today. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you just say, Pastor, include me in that final prayer. I want in on that. 
raise your hand right now, all over the room. Just put it up really high, in Jesus' name. Go ahead, keep raising it. There's three or four already, five, six, thank you. Keep raising it, anybody else? What a great decision, thank you so much. I love it, thank you so much. That's amazing, that's awesome. You can put your hands down. Everybody stand up with me, if you would. Pastor Jonathan will close this in just a moment, but let's pray this prayer together. For those of you that raised your hand, Pastor Jonathan will tell you about next steps. But again, whether it's first-time commitment, recommitment, let's pray this prayer together, and, and all of us pray together as a church, and let's say it loud as an affirmation, as a strong step of accepting God's love. Repeat this after me. Jesus, I come to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior, to be the leader of my life. Every day, I want to live for you. Thank you for changing me. Jesus, I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate with God. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.